0: I read something this week that has stuck in my mind. It's just like if you ever read something that just seems to be so true and to be so adept at summarizing so much. Um, it's like this treasure. Um, it's from a Jesuit writer. It was the foreword to a book I was reading. And he simply starts his foreword to the whole book with this sentence. It says, Everything that can be identified as peculiarly Christian truth is, in one way or another, a derivative of the one central truth that man was created in order to live forever in personal communion with the Holy Trinity. Let's read that again because it's a little wordy. Everything that can be identified as peculiarly Christian truth is one way or another a derivative of the one central truth that man was created in order to live forever in personal communion with the Holy Trinity. If you are here a couple weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, I, I spoke about Rublev's icon of the Trinity, Um, Father Tim had given a talk at Catholicism 101 uh, about this piece of sacred art, and what it is, if you've ever seen it, is just the image of three angels sitting in heaven around a table with a chalice in the middle, and behind the three figures are are different images, um, but in the foreground is this trinity, the blessed trinity, which of course is invisible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit God is this mystery that the universe cannot contain. So it's not exactly like three guys just sitting around a table. That's not what the Trinity is. But in order for us to imagine what it would be like to be in the presence of the Trinity, here's three figures around a table. And there's so much beauty and symbolism in in the piece of art, but the thing that struck me most was the empty side of the table facing us, facing the viewer. And the whole point of Christianity, in a way, the whole revelation of what we believe in Jesus, is that we are invited to the table. We're invited to be in personal, what this priest says, the personal communion forever with the Holy Trinity, the source of everything that exists, the mysterious God who is both one God and three persons. Um, So everything in, in the Gospels, everything in church teaching, everything is just flowing from and pointing back to that. That's what heaven is, is living with God In the Holy Trinity and everything we do here on earth is meant to point us there it's meant to flow from that relationship and point us back to it so that we can be with him forever in heaven but what does that look like what does it actually look like to live in personal communion with the Holy Trinity well the good news is is that one of the persons of the Holy Trinity actually lived a human life namely the son the second person of the Blessed Trinity came to earth lived our life died our death and rose to new life, and then sent the third person of the Holy Trinity, the blessed the the Holy Spirit, on a mission to incarnate him in our flesh, in our bodies, in our souls. Like we, the church, become participants in Jesus, in his body, the church, in the blessed Trinity. Which is why the Gospels are such a treasure. Because every movement of Jesus... Every word he speaks is a revelation of what was hidden from all eternity, some, some hidden aspect of the heart of the Father. Everything he says, everything he does, when he weeps, we see God's tenderness. When he makes a whip out of cords, we see God's fury and his, his zeal for us and for our hearts. And these, these words today um, from Jesus in this Sermon on the Plain, turn the other cheek Love those who hate you. Lend without expecting anything back. Why? Because your Father is merciful. Your Father in heaven is kind to the ungrateful. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's why. Not because it's the right thing to do. Not because religion and Christianity is primarily about moral action or moral teaching. It's because it's about a relationship with the Holy Trinity. And we want to be like the Father. But that's really, really hard. Okay, easy enough. If we were all Jesus, if we were all the second literally God, it wouldn't be that hard to live a perfect human life. But we're not. We're fallen sinners. And so things like turn the other cheek or pray for your enemies don't come naturally to us. We have this not only limited nature as human beings, but we're also fallen. We're also sinners. We find it hard to do the good we're supposed to do. find it easy to do the bad we're not supposed to do. So it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Do you remember what the temptation was that the serpent whispered in Eve's ear? God doesn't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he knows that you'll be like gods. See, Satan twists our desire, our natural good desire to be like God, and turns it into something that separates us from God. It pegs this infinite desire for personal communion with the Holy Trinity. And says, yeah, be God. Get all the power, all the money, all the fame. You know, this insatiable desire for what can only satisfy friendship with God to peg onto some limited good, to something that the creator made rather than the creator himself. And so he siphons off that desire and and points us away from personal, points us away from the very thing that could ever answer that desire, which is God. And what Jesus comes to do is to fight the devil on our behalf. He accomplishes it in his person that now human beings who were made in the image of God can actually image him, actually show the goodness of the Father in the life of Jesus. We've seen it now in a human, human life. But now what the Holy Spirit does is allow us to do the same thing. In the letter to the Philippians, St. Paul says, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. That is what the serpent tricked Adam and Eve into doing. Not to wanting the wrong thing. That we're right to want to be like God. But what they were wrong in believing was that that's something that could be grasped at. That we could accomplish that. We could get what we were looking for by grabbing it. Taking it. It's something that has to be received. I can't remember who, who said this. I read in a, in a book by Gerald May. He says, sin is grasping at that which is meant to be received. Everything in our hearts, everything in our lives, everything in uh, Christianity is about this personal, eternal communion with the Holy Trinity. But it's not a thing that can be grasped at. And that's why it's frustrating sometimes. Because we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross every day, and follow Jesus. It's not something that I can just, like, figure out or buy, or grasp at. It has to be this thing that is received. So I'm not in control. It's not on my agenda. It's not on my schedule. But what we do here is we receive communion. We don't take communion. Some people, Sometimes people say, I took communion. No, you didn't. <laughs> you received it from the Lord. And after communion is over, when we all sit down, that's such a sacred moment, isn't it? After all of us have received communion, the chalices and the the vessels are all purified, and we sit down in that moment. When all week do you sit with like 100 people in silence and just wait on the Lord and the Holy Spirit? Especially right after having received Jesus' own body, blood, soul, and divinity, that one in whom this reality is accomplished, and now he's accomplishing it slowly, God knows in me and in you, So just savor that moment, maybe today, and at every Mass you think of it, that you are receiving the gift, that he's faithful. Like We cannot accomplish it. I can't turn the other cheek and be merciful as the Heavenly Father is merciful by my own efforts. Even if I weren't a sinner, which I am, but I can receive the gift from the Holy Spirit. I can receive the gift from Jesus himself to be like the Father.